Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, a bruised, battered, and beaten John Zastrzemski here on this Monday, rocking and rolling on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I think we will look back on Sunday, Marathon Sunday, November the 5th, 2023, as the point in time with the Daniel Jones era officially came to a close for the New York Giants. That was tough to watch on Sunday. Think about what we were dreaming of. Not really dreaming, but thinking about these last few days where you're trying to find some semblance of positivity for what could happen with the Giants over the next few weeks. They get their quarterback back. They go up against the team that fired the coach. They go up against the team that benched their quarterback. The former giant Antonio Pierce is on the sideline. I told you that narrative and that storyline scared me a little bit and frightened me a little bit. But to see Daniel Jones come back after the neck injury, look off his mark, look like a shell of the guy who was moving the football well like he did a year ago for the New York Giants and go down on consecutive plays without being touched from the neck injury to a non-contact knee injury, it's as devastating as it gets. And it just goes to show you, the NFL is not for long. Because who had on their bingo card back in January of 2023 that we would be talking about the end of the Daniel Jones era for the New York Giants? 
11 months after he won a playoff game for the Giants at Minnesota. Daniel Jones was the toast of the town at that particular point in time. He's thriving in Brian Dable's offense. We had all offseason to ponder what he could look like with more talent, with added resources, with even more of a comfort level in doing his thing for Coach Brian Dable, and we got none of that this year. Jones did not play well. He gets hurt. Yes, there were terrible situations with the offensive line and you know guys going out like Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley, but the bottom line is this. Jones didn't play well. And now with the knee going out and the reality of where the Giants sit in the NFL hierarchy, power structure, they stink. They're two and seven. Their two top quarterbacks are out. And I don't care how soft the schedule may be over the final seven, eight weeks of this year, they're going to have a really hard time winning football games. And I don't know if the Giants will be bad enough to end up with the number one and the number two pick. We may look at that Arizona win in week two, and it may end up being a costly win. Arizona is a dreadful football team. Carolina, even though they don't have the pick and it goes to Chicago, the Bears have a really good chance in multiple baskets, basically, to go and get themselves the next guy, whether that's Caleb Williams, whether that's May out of UNC. They are well positioned to do so. Then you throw in the Patriots and you throw in some, some other trumbling, pathetic teams. Giants are in that mix. But it's quarterback prop where, okay, they don't end up with Williams. They don't end up with May. There are so many bad quarterbacks in the league. They're going to be picking at the top of the draft. It's going to be a really tough sell to not go and get that next guy. And we're going to spend, I'm sure, a lot of time between now and late April of 2024 dissecting every quarterback. I'm going to have all these draft gurus on. I'm going to talk about who we like here, who we don't like there. I think many of you Giant fans now are going to find yourself on Saturday diving into a lot more college football. Maybe watching Panic. Maybe watching Bo Nix. Maybe watching some quarterbacks where you're like, wow, maybe this could be the guy for my particular football team. We have months to do that. But the reality of where we stand right now, the Daniel Jones era is done. They paid him $40 million a year. They can get out of the contract next year. The Giants are going nowhere fast. They're not on the level of the Eagles, clearly. They're not on the level of the Cowboys, clearly. They're going to win four games. Now is the time to hit the reset. And what's crazy about their situation, if you really think about it, they win a playoff game. They didn't pick up Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. I think if you were to put Joe Shane under a lie detector test a year ago, September at the start of the year before they played the Tennessee Titans, I would argue Joe Shane and Brian Dable probably believed that Daniel Jones would be one and done, that the Giants would be in the market for taking one of the quarterbacks in last year's draft. Now, it obviously didn't work out that way. Situations change. But in many ways, maybe that kind of set him back a little bit this year. And I was as guilty as anyone. Listen, I was leading the charge that the Giants could get back to the playoffs this year. Despite the fact that they had so many warning signs and so many red flags about 
regression. They were, in many ways, the regression team of the NFL. Soft schedule, first-year coach, won some close games, got a lot of bounces of the ball to go their way. This year, they didn't. And the schedule was harsh early. And the injuries hit them. And the team wasn't that deep. And the team wasn't that good. And the quarterback got exposed. I don't know in what world we're singing happily ever after for Daniel Jones in a giant uniform. And it sucks. Listen, DJ was on our show every week a year ago. He's a good kid. He's a likable kid. I want to see him do well. The book is closed during the year. And the reality for the Giants, the next eight to nine weeks are about a couple of things. Positioning yourself for the draft next year. And I guess keeping an eye on whether or not this team just completely mails it in moving forward. It's the NFL. It's tough to do. They have talent on the defense, but that defense didn't exactly come to play today against Aiden O'Connell and a Raider team that's been doing nothing. So, harsh reality for Giant fans at 2-7. and seven. After where we were a year ago, think about how far we have fallen in a short amount of time. Now, for the Jets, there was no football game on Sunday. There is a monstrous football game on Monday. It is the Chargers and the Jets on Monday Night Football. We will be rocking on Twitter Spaces right after the game concludes tomorrow night, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, Not going to be at the game. Long story short, something ended up happening. But we're going to be rocking, doing our show about 10 to 15 minutes after the final uh, clock hits zero, whatever you want to call it. The point being for the Jets, the next four weeks are going to make or break and define their season. They have four straight games within the conference. They have the Chargers, a wild card competitor. Can't believe I'm saying it with a straight face, but the Raiders at four and five. It's technically speaking a wild card competitor. Then they go to Buffalo. Then they host the Dolphins, who right now, as we know, can't beat a good team, beat up on all the bad teams. Jets kind of in the middle of that point. We'll see how that Black Friday game shakes out the day after Turkey Day. And I am sick to my stomach after what I saw in Germany today. But that's a story for a little bit later on in the podcast. Can the Jets go 2-2 two and two in their next four games? And more specifically, Monday night. Can this team come to life offensively where, yes, they're 4-3. Yes, they're winning games. Finding ways to do it defensively, at home, the energy, the the Eagle game, the the Giant game, the Bill game. Like, sure, there's been a lot of that. Eventually, you got to convert on third down. Eventually, you got to score in the red zone. And if you fail to do those things consistently, I don't care how good your defense may be, you're not going to win games. The Jets are a a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Monday night. I think that's telling against the Charger team that in many ways invents ways to lose. Whether it's their coach, whether it's their quarterback, there is that intangible that's missing from that football team. But they put up points. And if they get to 20 plus, here's my question to Jeff fans going to the game tomorrow night. How did Jets get into 20 plus points? Can they? I know that should be an easy question. And if the question is answered positively, you probably like the Jets' chances of winning the game. Can the Jets get to 24 points on Monday night? 
Because from what I've seen offensively these last few weeks, I'm not so sure. Since that Kansas City game, let's be real. Jet offense struggle against Denver. The Jet offense struggle against Philly. The Jet offense struggle mightily against the New York Giants. Can they get this offense going? Meaning third down, red zone, getting the ball to Brees Hall. What a concept that is. Those are the elements that play for them to go and win the ballgame. Can they do that? So there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake in this game on Monday night. I think it is, in many ways, a big swing game. The Jets go win these next two games. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Raiders. You could start talking division. That's where I stand with the Jets. And I know I've been dismissive in the past about the division. That's true because of their quarterback. If they go win these next two, they're going to be 6-3. and three. They'll have the Bills and the Dolphins. It's on. It's on. They split these next two. It's kind of like, all right, let's set ourselves up for December and the playoff race and what comes with it. But that's what's on the line Monday night. And it's a fascinating, fascinating spot for Zach Wilson and company. I am really intrigued by this game on Monday night on a lot of different fronts and on a lot of different levels. We'll take a couple of calls. We got Danny Heifetz that will run around the league and I'm going to be lamenting about all the losses I had today. I mean, don't get me started. Today was an atrocity for me. I mean, the way I lost these games. Listen, you want to tell me I was on the wrong side? You want to tell me I'm being a baby? Yeah, I'm being a little bit of a baby. I'm going to have to be a baby. When a quarterback's throwing a ball, that looked like it got tipped and it goes 10 yards when a receiver is wide open. With Dak Prescott having zero awareness on first to goal at the five-yard line. Well, how about Dak not knowing where he is on a two-point play? And then how about the Texans? I think I finally got one. C.J. Stroud having a day. What, he throw five or six touchdowns? The kicker gets hurt. And I lose by a half point because the kicker gets hurt. I can't. I can't. Yeah, I'm salty. I'm in a pissed off mood. That's not going to lie. I'm pissed off. All right. Voice spells at 917-382-1151. couple of things. Twitter spaces tomorrow after the Jet game. Catch show. I want to see you guys. We'll watch football. We'll get rocking around 7.30, 7.45 after Jets and Bills. The Sunday before Thanksgiving in Astoria. Great neighborhood. Great bar. Going to be a lot of fun. I hope to see you all out there. So. Come on, come on. Voicemail. Steph, let's hear him. Hey, JJ. It's Matt from Huntington Beach. It's uh, halftime of this giant debacle. I'm just calling in. I mean, at this point, there's uh, nothing and everything to say about this giant team. But my biggest thing right now is how are we in a position again this week where Tommy DeVito is taking snaps for our team? Last week, they get caught snapping, have to put him in, don't let him throw a pass. But how do you not get somebody in here during this week that can run an NFL offense? This organization has become a complete embarrassment. I don't know what to say anymore. You say that Dable and Shane aren't in trouble, and they're probably not. But if they keep going through and being embarrassed this season, what do you do? I don't know what else to say. They look rudderless. Everything that was going for them last year is gone. Again, Tommy DeVito taking snaps for the New York Giants is unacceptable. I don't know what else to say about this team. we still got eight more games. God help us. Here's the problem. Is Matt Barkley going to look that much better? I don't know. I don't know. 
They've lost their top two quarterbacks. They lost Jones multiple times. They lost Tyrod Taylor last week. Now, you want to get on this coaching staff for being cowardly? They've been cowardly in instances this year. To the point where on fourth down today, I don't know if they actually were going to go for it, but I was certifiably going nuts just over the prospect that on fourth down on their own end, they're going for it. I'm like, they couldn't go for it a week ago with Saquon Barkley running a yard against the Jets. They didn't want to do that, but forget about all this. Look at this year now and just say it's a wash. I know Dayball is going to take a lot of heat. I've killed him this year. He's had a bad season. Joe Shane now gets the opportunity to kind of start anew with the franchise. That's the position they're in. And when you hear our buddy Danny Heifetz in a little bit, he's going to paint the picture of what's next for this franchise and how they can turn it around, maybe in a hurry, but it's going to require a decision that goes really, really well for them. They have to nail this quarterback pick. And I hate doing this when we're in early November. It feels like seasons of years past for the Jets and the Giants. Jets don't have the problem. The Giants do. Where it's like, oh, I'm thinking about the draft. I'm thinking about college football. I'm thinking about this guy and how he fits my team. It's, it sucks. It's not a good position. It's not a fun position to be in. It's miserable. It's absolutely miserable. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Let's take one more. Hey, JJ. Eric from Florida. Maybe a few days until you do voicemail, so I don't know if this will ever uh, make it. But uh, World Series is over. But I got to ask, why do you think Dusty Baker is such a great manager? He's been a manager for how long? He's a 500, basically a 500 winning percentage and one World Series win. I mean, championships, when you say that, implies that he was won more than one. I just know that he got to the big one with uh, Houston. And really, he walked into a situation where the team was already great. Do they need a figure? Is it his managerial capabilities that kept the team in order in 2020 after the uh, fallout or was it the guys in the locker room because they kept winning before him and after just the first I, I don't I don't put him up there with the great managers of the time because the sample of his history doesn't kind of prove that he just kind of may have walked into a great situation in Houston I mean congratulations on a amazing career and retiring but I don't know if he's one of the greatest managers of all time or even of the modern time, me personally. Uh, next question, with Will Levis now getting a couple starts in uh, Tennessee, I'm not, it's not lighting the world on fire necessarily, but looking confident. Um, any chance you might think he, coming from Kentucky, the people he had around him at Kentucky, might be a better fit or might be more successful in the NFL than the guys that were surrounded by loads of talent at Ohio State, Alabama, and other places where they're not in position to win immediately or have all these stars around them the entire time. Kind of my take here when everyone's uh, saying Caleb Williams is the next heir apparent, well, Caleb Williams hasn't really won anything in college. Um, and putting up numbers against San Jose State and Nevada don't really tell me anything about him, especially Utah. Has, uh, got smacked around against Notre Dame and those are games where he didn't play well. They're just kind of a, uh, a thought process there. I want to get your thoughts on those. Hope all's well. Take it easy and, uh, yeah. I appreciate the call. Couple of thoughts. Look, 
am I going to put Dusty Baker all time as a manager with somebody like Bruce Bochy? I'm not. Bruce Bochy has clearly had a more illustrious career. But I think the mistake you're making with Dusty Baker, and I get the narrative that he had for a long period of time, he can't win the big one. He can't win the big one. He can't win the big one. That kind of hung around him, for sure. Every situation he went to, he made it better. Every one. San Francisco, he made it better. Chicago, he made it better. Cincinnati, he made it better. Washington, they couldn't win a division. He made it better. And the Astros situation, he deserves immense credit. Anybody could win there, sure. They have a lot of talent. How about the distraction of being a pariah? How about the distraction of being vilified to no end after what happened with all the cheating stuff? He kept that team together. He kept that team afloat. They kept churning. They kept working. They kept winning. He deserves immense credit for that. So I think the legacy for Dusty Baker is players loved him. Won everywhere he went. Yeah, he couldn't win a big one. You want to hold that against him against the Joe Torre? Be my guest. You want to hold that against him against the Tony LaRusso? Be my guest. But when we're talking about Hall of Fame manager, Dusty Baker is going to be a Hall of Fame manager, as he should be. He's had an illustrious baseball career. Illustrious. To win with that many organizations at that sort of level deserves immense praise. Now, as far as your Levis point, look, unfortunately now, most teams are looking for a quarterback that can execute at a high level. And they're going to see that with the highest levels of talent. Burrow at LSU. Hurts, wherever he was. Bama and in Oklahoma. Tua at Alabama. Um, Herbert at Oregon, even though they weren't maybe on the ilk and the level of those particular programs. The top programs are going to have the top players. Bama, Ohio State, LSU. You know, you know the deal. I don't need to read you the laundry list. You're going to see more of them. They're probably going to get the better quarterback prospects. But yeah, of course, you can you can find a diamond in the rough. I, I don't think it's as clear-cut and dry as, hey, a quarterback comes from a smallish school. Therefore, he has more of a chance to be successful. I don't, I, I don't look at it that way. Does the quarterback look the part and play the position the way the position is supposed to be played? That's my question. Can he run an offense, make throws, make his teammates better? You can kind of tell if that quarterback is going to raise the level of play for the particular players on the team. And you notice that when he's not in the lineup, you just sense and feel these elements and these sort of intangibles that you either have or you don't. So, I look, Will Levis, he's got a big arm. I'll tell you, that's what I've seen from watching him with the Tennessee Titans. He's got a big arm. Made some stupid decisions the second half of that game. Uh, I don't know how mobile he is, but he's got big on. So I got to see more. But to say, oh, I'd take him over quarterbacks coming out of bigger programs, not necessarily. And he was at Penn State, and then he went to Kentucky. So it's it's not like he's playing for the systems of the poor. You know, he's not playing for Division Two or Division Three. It to go Wagner College, okay? So I thought it was good timing. This Jones injury, the end of Daniel Jones this year, and my opinion, the end of Daniel Jones as the future of the New York Giants, to bring in a guy who, yeah, might be a little doom and gloom, but he was here for all the good times last year. Our buddy Danny Heifetz, the ringer NFL, fantasy football, New York Giant extraordinaire Danny Heifetz. Level of fun, running through a bunch of different things with him. He's coming up next.
Jumping in the NBA action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Plus, all customers get three months of NBA League Pass courtesy of FanDuel when they place a $5 bet on the NBA. So Monday night, Knicks back at home, two and four on the year. I think it's a good spot to take them. They are home dog against the Los Angeles Clippers. Seen the Clippers laying one and a half. Give me the Knicks. Don't see them starting two and five today year. I'll take the Knicks as a home dog. Good bounce back spot for them. The way you can watch all the action. There's so many ways to do it. Is you bet on everything from point spreads to player props. Best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in bonus bets plus three months of NBA League Pass. Just visit FanDuel.com slash NYNY and tip off the NBA season right. FanDuel. Official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus at present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expire. Seven days after receipt, limit one pass per customer. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. NBA League Pass. Local blackout restrictions apply. So, obviously, a doom and gloom day for Giant fans. Look, the season of lost cause at 2-6, and six, now 2-7. and seven. But the fact that you get maybe amped up to see the return of Daniel Jones only to lose Daniel Jones on a non-contact ACL knee injury, it's as bad as it gets. So, Mr. Doom and Gloom, welcome back to New York, New York. I'm in a rotten mood. You're in a rotten mood. Hello, Danny Heifetz. What's happening, buddy? I think we saw the end of the Daniel Jones era, JJ. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I don't know how you could say any other way. Considering what the Giants look like on the field with Tommy DeVito, considering that this is a top-heavy quarterback class, and, and you'd have to think, Danny, they were going to be well-positioned to take a quarterback with Daniel Jones. Now, if the Giants win two more games, if they win three more games, you're going to be stunned. It's almost as if this injury kind of symbolizes and signals the end of Jones. And it's amazing where we were just, what, 11 months ago, 10 months ago, talking about Daniel Jones winning a playoff game at Minnesota, talking about Daniel Jones getting a $40 million extension. But all that goes out the window with this year, his play, the injuries. Got to take a quarterback, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I think that the Giants were heading toward a very difficult decision with Daniel Jones. And I think, frankly, it just got made for them. I think, I, I, I don't know if this is hyperbole. I don't think the Giants will win another game this season. I think if they do, maybe one win. And at this point, they're in a race with, well, the Panthers for the worst league in the record and the Cardinals, but the Panthers don't have their first pick. So really, you're talking about the Cardinals and the Bears and the Patriots actually seem to be the main competition and going to have top five picks. The complication is that the Cardinals and the Bears are both going to have two first rounders. So if the Giants don't get top position, they're not going to necessarily be able to move ahead of Cardinals or Bears, but we're absolutely in that spot right now, JJ, where honestly, I, I don't think Daniel Jones is done in the uniform, frankly, just he signed this contract, but I think that the Giants were probably going to take his huge cap it next year, spread it out, keep him for years. At this point now, they probably eat kind of, this is, I think they take, they keep him on a lot of money next year. He probably is the starter to start the year. They have a rookie quarterback and then they let him go at the end of 2024. And I think the Giants have to take a quarterback in the draft because they're going to end up with the top five pick. And there's like, depending how you count, four to eight good quarterbacks in this year's class. 
So we're going to spend a lot of time, I'm sure, between now and April dissecting who we like, who we don't, who's number one, who's number two. Well, actually, we know who number one is. Caleb Williams, unless something drastic happens between now and well, draft Drake day. Drake May from you Drake think May from UNC. There's already buzz. There is a world where Caleb Williams, yes. you think, could not be the number one pick. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think it's going to be a conversation. I think Caleb Williams, uh, he was probably the one of those top prospects since, you know, the Trevor Lawrence mold and the Andrew Luck mold. Like, this is the guy for, we knew for a long time out. I think now there's a conversation because Caleb Williams, USC, didn't have a great end of the year. Uh, Drake May from UNC. But really, it's more of a Myers-Briggs test. It's like they're different players. It's really about what's a quarterback's job, which I know that's like a weird question, but we don't talk about it a lot. Drake May is like the epitome of, I don't want to say a system quarterback, but he does what he's like. He executes the system as it's designed and he has everything you need to do. Caleb Williams sometimes goes off script and when he does, it's magic. It's like Mahomes times Kyler Murray. Like the like the play's almost better when the play isn't done as like recess style. Recess is almost better. And then the actual play within structure isn't always there. So it's more about what do you want? A quarterback who the offense might be better when the play breaks down? Or do you want a quarterback who's great in the play as executed, which is what Drake May is for UNC. So we have all offseason, but I think there is going to be question about who the top quarterback is. The point is there's two great quarterbacks and that the Bears and the Cardinals, uh, we'll see how Kyler Murray plays the second half of the season. Suddenly, that's a huge question. The Bears are going to move on from fields. And so it's really about those top two guys. Are the Giants going to be able to get Mayor uh, Caleb Williams? The Patriots are in the mix. Or is, is, there's a huge second tier of guys. Bo Nix from Oregon, uh, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Like there, I, There's so, honestly too many to name. And the question is, do you get one of those top two or someone else? I was going to say, where did the Giants got to be situated in the draft for you to say you're in a good spot to go and get a quarterback? In the top five? In the top three? Uh, Well, a quarterback or the quarterback? Top two? Feel great. Caleb Williams, Drake May? I don't care. I'll take it. It's kind of like that year with, uh, when, well, it's funny how it works out, but it's like Zion and then John Morant, right? And you're like, oh, give us top two. And then it's R.J. Barrett. And I think that that's maybe the way I would say is that, how bad did it feel? I, I felt like the Knicks were not going to get Zion. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, the odds for Zion were like 16%. The odds for John Moran at the second pick for the Knicks that you were 53. I was devastated when the Knicks got three. Guess what? A lot changes, doesn't it? I'm pretty happy with R.J. Barrett. And that's the way I would maybe look at this quarterback draft is they're going to win. They're going to lose. The Jets lost out on Trevor Lawrence because they beat the Rams in 17-point underdogs. You go from the first to the second. The Jags get Lawrence. A lot changes. So with that said, there are a lot of quarterback options no matter what. Um, honestly, at any point, they're going to be able to get a quarterback even if it's in the second round. There's so there, there might be eight quarterbacks that go in the first 60 picks. So they're going to be able to get one. The question's like when, with the first round or what? But there's no question they could take a guy. So when we look back on Daniel Jones' tenure as New York Giant quarterback, I think it's going to be this story of was put in a terrible position early, looked like he was dead, looked like he was out, all of a sudden gets a new lease on life, gets the money, and it blows up in flames. So I gave you the kind of arc. You're the Giant fan. If we've seen the last of Daniel Jones in a Giant uniform, what's your lasting thought, lasting image going to be of this player? Now that there's some, I don't want to say distance, but you ever have a friend break up, get divorced, and then start dating like a, just a younger version of the same person? Because that's what the Giants did. Like, it, like, the, like Eli Manning, the era ended. Dave Gettleman walked in, tried to convince, they convinced them to extend the Eli era because he was a longtime giant guy. They get rid of Eli, and they just cloned him. Like, they just started dating the young... The Patriots did the Mac Jones, too. Mac Jones. Oh, younger version of Brady. Didn't work. Giants just got a... Daniel Jones, same height, same weight as Daniel Jones. Spent his whole life trying to mimic Eli, like, from growing up. Went to Duke just to be with the guy who was Eli Manning's, like, the, the 
uh, offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Like his whole life was trying to be Daniel Jones and the Merritt family met him and they loved him and they heard through uh, David Cutcliffe, the, you know, the Manning confidant. And that really is what it is. It's the Giants tried to date a younger version of Eli Manning and the Merritt family fell in love. And then now a little distance, you're like, man, that whole thing was probably a little silly, wasn't it? You think this coaching staff and this GM deep down, despite the fact that they gave all this money to Jones, not that they're saying they're rooting for an injury, obviously, Danny. They're not rooting for injuries. I get that. But does it in some way make this just easier to digest? Because if they go and win a bunch of these games against subpar competition, they have New England, they have, uh, you, you give me the games on the schedule, Washington and the Packers and the Rams, where all of a sudden maybe you convince yourself if they're 6-11, and 11, hey, Jones played better, we got Andrew Thomas yeah. back, maybe we make one last run at this thing. Now they're kind of at a point where they're not going to be kidding themselves. I, yeah, I kind of feel like it's a blessing in disguise in some ways. Not that I'm rooting for an injury, but it kind of works out that way. Kidding themselves is the great, is the point I would say, JJ. And I would say this to all Giants fans who are, I don't know, everyone's going to be at their own point in the five stages of grief right now. I, I'm, ex I'm at acceptance. But I, I, wherever you are, I would say, I think everyone can kind of get this clarity. There was an incredibly humbling experience watching the Giants fall behind to the Raiders side by side with that Eagles-Cowboys game. Because the Giants, they fell behind the Raiders. I don't know if you saw the stat, but they flashed on the screen. Giants were trailing by 20 for the fourth time this season. That's incredible. It's the most of any team this year. And I was watching that side by side. The Raiders team were fired their coach, GM, and benched their quarterback, and then went out and throttled the Giants and scored 20 points for the first time all year in the first half. And then side by side with the Eagles and Cowboys, all I could think is, this Giants team is so far from competing with Philly and Dallas in any meaningful way. It is hard to describe, which is crazy because what are the Giants like two and 14 versus Dallas in the last 16? Like they, they have four wins against these teams in like eight or nine years. And they're so far away. And the like we have Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence under contract. That's the best thing the Giants have going. The Giants, the Eagles and Cowboys have like five of those guys each. And like the Giants, the only way you can compete is to get a, a franchise quarterback. I look at CJ Stroud. You have to get the guy. Look at what one guy does for that Houston Texans team. They're not like littered with talent, the Texans. They really aren't. But they turn around because you have to get that dude. And the Giants and Daniel Jones was not that guy. And you have to go get that guy in this draft. And you hit on this when we did our conversation back in the summer. And I give you a lot of credit. You looked at the Giants and said, yeah, they're probably due for regression. <laughs> they kind of fit the mold of a team that's due for regression. But you know, I wanted to talk myself into the Darren Waller move. I wanted to talk myself into the coaching staff, being able to do more with less. In reality, Danny, this was the sort of year that in many ways happens all the time to overachieving first-year head coaches that see everything go right in year one. They get the bump. They get the bounce. And reality and a tougher schedule and just harsh realities of the NFL kind of splash you right in the face. Yeah. I think that the I think the word regression sounds I don't know it's hard to relate to I think the, the way, a better way to think of it's like golf it's like I, I I don't know maybe this is like being naked in public but did you, what, what's your handicap I don't mind I don't I'll share I've been much better lately around twenty four twenty five okay twenty four so if you go out and you shoot fourteen under par are you like well, I'm a fourteen handicap man. No. Like, of course not. No, I That's played out of my ass. That's what I there would say. There you go. Yeah. That's what the Giants did last year. They made every putt. They put every drive on the fairway. And it's like, great. That was the ceiling of the team. You don't go out and expect to be 14. There was still a 25 handicap the whole time. And they came out. And what happened, just like you do every time you play the round of your life, they shot 40 over. That's this season. 
where everything went wrong. Daniel Jones is hurt, and Tyrod Taylor is hurt. Everything's go- Andrew Thomas gets hurt on special teams and stays in the game. Like everything that could have gone wrong is going wrong, and to the point where okay, you know what? The silver lining is, I guess, you know what? Maybe we need to go get a lesson. You're like, and that's where the thing is. It's like, all right, maybe these clubs don't work for me. And so it's like, at least they aren't deluding themselves and be like, oh, I'm good. Like, no, there was a ceiling on your game if Daniel Jones was going to be the quarterback. There, and there's a ceiling on this team thinking that that playoff team last year was going to go in it. The Eagles and Cowboys, the Giants can't even level up. The Eagles and Cowboys are two levels up on where the Giants are. And it's going to be a while till we compete with them. And the only way the Giants can really do it is they have to get the right quarterback in this draft. It is hard to overstate how important it is. I got two quickies for you before we say goodbye. I know you got a busy Sunday night, so I appreciate a couple minutes. Number one, Jets. They're plus money to make the playoffs. They had a good Sunday so far. Miami losing helps them. A couple of teams in the AFC, you know, they're kind of monitoring where they stand as far as the wild card and the division. Do you think the Jets will be a playoff team when it's all said and done? Or is this a lot of smoke and mirrors? No, I do. I think they're going to do it. I really think, I really do think they're going to do it, JJ. You know that I was big on the Jets in the beginning of the season. You know what's funny? You look at the AFC, and I think we had it wrong, completely wrong, to be honest with you. I think you look at the AFC, and what did we say all year? The AFC's got the quarterbacks. Look at these offenses. Dude, the AFC's about defense. It's crazy. You look at the Chiefs, Dolphins. I don't want to, you know, pick at a, a wound that's just scabbed over, but the Chiefs. I know they beat Miami, but that's a flawed offense in Kansas City still. Shil Kapati, our ringer colleague, has this great stat that if you look at um, success rate, the Chiefs' offense hasn't had a top 50 game of Mahomes' career this season. The defense in Kansas City is dragging them to these wins. And then you look around at all these other, you know, Bengals, Bills, were recording this hasn't happened tonight, but the Ravens, that defense is best points per game the Ravens have had on a defense since 2000. And I look and I'm like, the, like, the Jets can compete because the, they have so many games coming up. Like, uh, what, they got the, the Chargers on Monday, the Raiders, like all these AFC teams that are competing with wildcard are still on their schedule. I totally think the Jets, like, it's so manageable that because every game they win that's going to push them up is going to push the wildcard competition down. They can get this, like, really, really close to the playoffs, like, in the next five weeks. They can make such incredible progress. Okay, can they contend for the division, or is that outlandish? I think they can. I mean, I think the Dolphins have really kind of blown it. I think I I would like to say, yeah, and I, it would be helpful if I'd seen Sunday Night Football already. I think the truth is probably not, but I think a wild card is totally reasonable. I know everyone says this, but no one wants to face the Jets in the playoffs. I'm not even going to get into whether Rodgers comes back, but the defense is incredible. Like, it is capital I incredible, and I, as the weather gets colder, I think that's only going to help. Then there's my team. And you got to witness me melting down the fourth quarter as we were doing Ringer Wives, guys. I mean, Danny, I I thought all things considered, your boy was a pro watching a big Dolphin game, doing digital time. I warned Heifetz that I was going to be really bad and misbehaved and all over the place. Um, And then I get off the air and I got to watch that final drive and I'm crushed. I mean, Tua, I don't know what happened on the third down throw. Then the snap, you want to blame the center, you want to blame Tua, be that as it may. They're six and three, which I would have signed for out of the bye. I'd probably be dancing out of the bye if you told me they'd be six and three. But they lose to Buffalo, get smoked, lose to the Eagles. Now they lose to the Chiefs. They have not beaten a good team. Their offense has not looked good in any of those games. Where should I be panic wise? One being the lowest, 10 being the highest for the Miami Dolphins. As far as their, their chances, Danny, of two things winning a division and winning a playoff game for the first time in 20 plus years. I think you can win a playoff. I think that the silver lining, I, I would say panic meter is at 
I will say four and a half for two reasons. The Chiefs' defense, it's still like a trick of the light. You're watching this Chiefs' offense. You see the jerseys. You're like, offense! The defense is incredible. Steve Spagnuolo was an... I mean, Giants fans know Steve Spagnuolo. Like, he's perfectly suited to beat the Dolphins. And I'll say that the Chiefs got interior pressure and free rushes in a way that was kind of a nightmare for Tua. And the defense for Miami, I thought, played really well. I thought Bradley Chubb had maybe the best game he's had as a Dolphin. Um, frankly, hasn't always had a huge impact, but I thought that he was fantastic today. And overall, Vic Fangio, this is one of those days where I texted you the day it happened that Vic Fangio being hired to be your defensive coordinator might be one of the mo- biggest moves of the whole year. So that's why I'm a little optimistic. I think that your real problem, and the question I would pose to you is, I actually think the Dolphins have a much sexier version of the same problem the Giants have with Daniel Jones with Tua, where it's like he's playing so well in a different way. You're having a very special season with Tua and have had special times with him when he's been healthy. But given everything we know about Mike McDaniel and Tyreek, I'm like, is this the, are you going to give him a quarter of a billion dollars given what we've seen from Tua in the moments we need him, what he can do when things go off script? I, and I think that's the question to you is, do you want Tua for a quarter of a billion dollars or might this team be better off with either a Brock Party situation where you pay a guy 50 grand a game or some, or some, or just a better player? And realistically, like the Giants, you can't move on from him if you win the playoff game. But I also am kind of like, I'm a little dubious, honestly, about Tua. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, what do you think? Listen, they have the fifth-year option. They're going to get a year and a half of free look, and that's why the Dolphins, unlike the Giants, picked up that fifth-year option on Tua, which is looking better and better by the minute because you wouldn't want to go into those negotiations at this point in time. But listen, yeah. he runs the offense efficiently. He's put up big numbers. Nobody can deny that. But Danny, what do they judge by? How they play in December and how they play if they get there in the postseason. So I can see two win regular season games. Can I see him go stay on the field, number one, which he has to prove that he can do for the remainder of this year. And then let me see how he does in a January playoff game. You know what I mean, Danny? I haven't had that. For me to answer that question right now, I think he's the guy for them. I do. I think the coach loves him. I think he runs the offense exactly the way he wants that offense being run. That said... I think the next two years and what they do in January will determine that more than anything, dude. And th- what determines it is your next month because you end the season with Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. It's tough. But your next month, Raiders, Dolphins have to, they're coming off a bye, the Dolphins have to win that game. The Jets, that's massive. And then you play Washington, Sam Howell, and then the Titans with Will Levis, rookie quarterback. Dolphins got to go 3-0 Well, in that's games. the thing, though. You know what, though, Danny? Even if they do, a lot of the questions are going to remain the same until they play tough like competition again. You know That's what I mean? Hundred, you, it's true because to be fair, I guess I'm leaning into the thing where the Dolphins are beating up on bad teams. And so, and that is definitely kind of the thing of the season that's developed for them is as Bill Simmons would say, are they the good, bad team or the bad, good team? Where it's like, are they just like the bet, the team that like the Vikings last year, are they feasting on beating bad teams? Hey, Dallas, Danny, we've seen Dallas like that. Yeah. You know, that, uh, Dallas finds ways to lose to these good teams again and again and again. But the coaching, this, this Cowboys Eagles game at the end, it's like how many important Mike McCarthy Cowboys games can we watch where Dallas just looks unprepared? I mean, if it weren't for the Eagles, moving them downfield like one of those escal- flat escalators in the airports that just make you go faster with the with the flags on the Eagles, if it weren't for that, how many times can the Cowboys look unprepared to get a playoff or with the clock ticking with the game to win? It's, it's crazy to me. And but- losing 20 yards with first and goal from the five-yard line. Can't make it up. Yeah. As someone who had Dallas plus three, <laughs> and the Texans and the Dolphins. I want this NFL Sunday to end. Just like Giant fans maybe want this NFL Sunday in season to end. Buddy, thanks for making the time. I know you got 10 zillion things going on. But when the quarterback of the team blows out his knee, oh you're, the, you're the first text that goes out, man. That's the way it goes. <laughs> 
Thank you for having me, JJ. I appreciate it. And hey, there we go. Giants fan. We just bandwagon on with Miami right now. Uh, listen, you guys are welcome. You're welcome. And I'll see you Black Friday as I'm watching the Jet there game. Uh, nursing all my turkey and stuffing and trying to walk it off in the parking lot with one too many uh, conas in my hand, you know? <laughs> That's the move. It's an off night for yours, truly. So I'll be getting after it that Black Friday tailgate to deal with all those Jet fans. All right, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes, man. We'll see you soon, all right? Thank you, man. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less, and one because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right. Couple of round of league thoughts. You could tell I was ticked off about what happened in the Germany game. And let me say this. The Germany game being the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And me being on the air for a good chunk of that was so painful and so miserable. And I was well-behaved. I'm a professional. I have to do work. I, well, I understand that. But it, it just was like, my head was all over the place. Miami's defense was great. man. Not good. Great. They gave up two drives to Mahomes. They have 14 points to Patrick Mahomes. If you told me 24 hours ago that the Miami Dolphins would hold Patrick Mahomes to 14 offensive points, I'd say they're going to win the game by 10 plus. Miami offense didn't show up. Miami got away from the run way too early. I thought Mike McDaniel was not ready for a couple of things that Spagnola threw his way. The inside blitzes, the corner and safety blitzes. It seemed the Dolphins were sluggish from that standpoint. When they did adjust, when they got the ball, running it to Raheem Mostert and got some of the elements in play, then their quarterback let him down. I mean, that final drive of the game, too, has got to be better. He can't throw that duck to Cedric Wilson. And I don't know what happened on the fourth down play, whether it's a bad snap or whether it's him. That can't happen with the game on the line. So I know what the narrative is going to be around my football team. They can't beat a good team. I've gotten 10 zillion texts about it. Until they do, I got to eat it. Do I think ultimately they'll have their chance and they'll be able to go and show that they can beat big-time football teams? Yes. But the Dolphins have set up at 6-3 and three to be a team that has beaten up on the inferior and has not 
done a good enough job against the superior. Seven point loss to the Chiefs, 14 point loss to the Eagles, and a bloodbath against the Buffalo Bills. So now I got to hear that for the next two weeks. And it's going to piss me off. And it's going to bother me. And I got idiot eagle eyes sending me the, 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 the gif of Tua. Like it's just uh, horrible. Pisses me off. A couple other things piss me off. Dak Prescott today and the Dallas Cowboys today. Dallas played well enough to win that game. Fourth down, tight end, not knowing where he is on the field. Killer. Dak on the two-point play, not knowing where he is on the field. Costing them two points. Costing them the opportunity to get a game-tying field goal late. Killer. Then first and five at the five-yard line, and they lose 20 yards in the process. Killer. Dallas, they find ways to lose these games consistently. You know, and, you know, certain teams have that label. I hope the Dolphins in two or three years don't have that label where they're the team that beats up on the bad teams and can't beat a good team. Dallas has a little of that too. They do. They have a little of that where they go up in competition and you wonder how exactly they're going to show up. So the Eagles got away with one. Not down my mind. And they are 7-1. They're loaded. We know how talented that team is. I'm Dallas. I'm sick to my stomach. I lost this game today. Sick. A couple other takeaways. The Ravens are going to be the team of the week. No doubt in my mind. Another dominant performance. They smoked the Lions. Now they smoked Seattle. I told you guys that was the only game I got right so far today. I didn't like the idea of Geno Smith on the road against that Raven team and against that defense. I mean, they're humming. They're running Munkin's offense brilliantly. Their defense is ferocious, and they're getting after it. Baltimore has definitely put themselves in that top-flight conversation where I can envision the number one seed being the Ravens. Now, they'll have some, some work to do in the AFC North where they have Cincinnati and they have Pittsburgh and they have a lot of tough games, but that team looks super, super impressive today. You know what else looks super impressive? CJ Stroud. And I didn't know if C.J. Stroud was going to be a big-time NFL quarterback. I didn't have a problem with the Carolina Panthers going with Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. I didn't. I, like, looked at the two of them in college, and I said, yeah, I like Bryce Young's game. I totally get it. C.J. Stroud looks like a baller. He's got a huge arm. He's mobile. He's coming with a bad situation. They're finding ways to win games. If you're a Texan fan, man, with D'Amico Ryans and with C.J. Stroud, you got to be stoked about the state of affairs for your team. Stop. So those are a couple NFL thoughts. Quick thought here before we hit trivia with Larry. Nick came on Friday night. Watching Randall and some of the sequences with Randall, to say it would drive you to drink is an understatement. Terrible shot selection, lack of effort, belly aching, did anybody see the look he gave Jalen Brunson on the last shot of the game? It's like, are you kidding me? Jalen Brunson's going for 45 points, and you're going to give him looks? I'd be like, oh, Jalen Brunson, get out of my face. You kidding me, dude? With all of the negative attributes and body language and intangibles that you bring to the table. That's the problem the Knicks are running into here with Randall. He's here. He's probably not going anywhere, but it's alarming seeing some of the signs that we saw two years ago. Well, you're wondering, oh, is this going to be 
an every other year kind of guy. And even if he's not, you kind of know how it's going to end with Randall whenever the Knicks get to, you know, big games and, you know, pressure-packed, heavily scrutinized environments and situations. Milwaukee game on Friday night was kind of perfect microcosm of that. And it was not a fun watch. Jalen Brunson, very entertaining. Very much a fun watch. Julius Randle, not so much. Not so much. So, I, for the life of me, couldn't care less about this in-season tournament. I know people are going to try and make it a big deal. Who the hell cares? I, I mean, in all seriousness, who the hell cares? It's a full-fledged money grab. They, they, they're going to try to sit there and tell you that it's going to drum up more interest. I watched that game like I watched any one out of 82 Nick game. It, it did not change anything for me. Like, it was one of 82. I was like, this is a crummy loss. I wanted to win this game after they took the lead in the fourth quarter. Did I think for a minute, oh, they lost a, 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 a bracket in-season tournament game? Who cares? I mean, honestly, if that's something that you're really into, get a life. Get a life. Okay, Adam Silver's got good ideas. I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to drum up regular season interest, excitement, whatever. It's, I'm never getting I am never going to be one that's waving pom-poms going nuts about an in-season NBA tournament. I'm sorry. I, I, it's not for me. You want some truth? I'll give you some truth. It's not for me. So, there's that. All right. Trivia time. Larry, you're always for me. Hope you're taking it easy on me. I had a rough night. JJ Larry in Florida. Got a couple of trivia. The Diamondbacks were the second team to make the World Series with a minus run differential. The other team with a minus run differential won the World Series. Who was that team? Second one is name the four pitchers that won five games in a single postseason. Hint, all since 2000. I'm out. All right. So, negative run differential win the World Series. There's two guesses I have that come to mind. Number one, the 2006 St. Louis Cardinals. All right, guess two. The 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. You know, I felt really good about those guesses. Because those teams came out of nowhere and ended up winning the World Series. Negative run differential. Won the World Series. Negative run differential. Won the World Series. Let's try the 2014 San Francisco Giants. Was I even in the right stratosphere, Stefan, or no? No, it, it, you're, you're, you're way too ahead. This happened... You, yeah, you wouldn't even have watched this this happen. I'll say this, All right, this so happened before, before. Before my my viewing perspective as a fan. So you're going to say before 1993. Yeah, absolutely. Before then. Oh, God. The 69 Mets? <clears throat> I, th- this is impossible. This is impossible. The 85 Cardinals. They lost the World Series. It's an 80s team, Stefan? Yeah, it's an 80s team, Jay. 80s team. 80s team. Kansas City Royals. Honestly, I have no idea. I give up. Who would it be? 
1987 Twins. Yeah, I never would have gotten that. Larry, I never in a million years would have gotten that. The 87 Twins with a negative run differential won the World Series. Okay, there's that. Now, five postseason wins all since 2000. In a postseason. Five postseason wins. Nathan Ovaldi, one down, four to go. So you got to think of guys, by the way, that are recent because they have more of an opportunity to get the the extra wins. Um, Nathan Ovaldi's one. Madison Bumgarner, two. Mm. Wow. Bumgarner didn't get there in 2014. Okay. Okay. Um, Randy Johnson in 2001 because he got three in the 2001 World Series. Uh, Three to go. Josh Beckett. Mm. I took a guess there because I figured either with the Red Sox or the Marlins, he might have gotten there. Uh, he did not. Uh, Framber Valdez for the Astros. Mm. Ooh. Didn't get it. I need three more. I need three more. Five postseason wins. Five. CC Sabathia. Um, you expect me to get all of these, Stefan? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I should. I expect you to get it. Um, just that note that we only have two more that you have to get, not three. All right, there you go. So I'm, you I'm thinking two. it's three. We only need two, and you and expect. You expect I expect me to you get to get these. these, and I'll give you a hint for one. Think of it. a team that won the World Series from the wild card. They were a wild card team and then went on to win the World Series. Wild card team. Bumgarner and the Giants was that team. They were clearly that team. Wild card team to win the World Series. Oh, God. 17, no. 18, no. 19, no. Um. Oh man, I have a guess anyway, and I don't know if that's the one I'm looking for. Steven Strasburg, one to go, but that's not the one I was thinking about. That's not. Is that the one you were thinking about, Stefan? Strasburg is was the guy I was teeing you up for. Ooh, Remember they okay. had that. I did You know what it is? They were the wild card team that year, and I didn't think of it. The, yeah, they had that it. improbable run. They just they just kept winning on the road. And, that's, oh. and they did win in the wild card game, which I am totally blanking on. But they did. Yep. Uh, that's uh, that's how crazy that. I, I think of that that national team starting their run against Kershaw and the Dodgers and Chavez Ravine in Game Five. But you were right. You were right. So now there's one more I got to get. John Lester. Mm. All right, it's not Lester. How about Jake Arrieta? Okay. I'm one away. Um, Verlander. because mm. no, he never wins in the World Series. The last guy, Stefan. Give me a hint here. I will give you a hint here. This guy, um, he... 
I'm trying to think how I can give you this one. He had he had a run. He has amazing uh look. Let me see how I can give you this one. He has a great nickname. I love his nickname, by the way. One of the funnest nicknames that we've heard over the last 10 to 15, 20 years. El Duque, Orlando Hernandez. Not El Duque. Um, this guy, uh, let's see. I'll give you this. He went through the Yankees en route to his title run. He went through the Yankees. In route to his title run. Oh, man. Fun nickname. Yeah, Beckett. 2004, no. I would have said the big unit, but that doesn't apply. He has one of the best nicknames. Is it K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez? That's right. Coming out of the bullpen for the Angels in 2002. He had a lot of wins for that team in the postseason. A lot of wins. A lot of wins, a lot of wins, a lot of wins. So we got there. It was a struggle, but we got there, Larry. All right, trivia time. Done. Jeff Money, your time to shine. What do we got on Monday night? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap fix me from Monday the 6th. Now, it's a Monday night game. You know already my pick. I'm going to go with the New York Jets plus the three and a half over the L.A. Chargers. Hopefully, I can get uh, a little bit better luck there with my play. I had some bad, uh, bad, bad breaks there, but that's what you're going to do. That's what, I mean, that's what happens. So, anyway, I'm going to go with the Jets plus the three and a half for the Monday night football game. And we can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Look, we're heads up in this game. I know the Jeff fans are going to throw tomatoes in my face. They're going to be hooting and hollering at me a couple of weeks from now when Stefan and I are there for Black Friday. I know how this goes. I know I'm playing a villain. I just don't think the Jets are scoring a ton of points in this game. And I think that is a major disadvantage for them as they get ready for the LA Chargers. The Chargers will do enough offensively. I'm not so sure the Jets will be able to do so. So give me the Chargers. As ugly as it might be, I'm going to lay the three and a half, and I'm going to trust the line on this. And listen, here's the good news, Jeff fans. I've had such a rotten and vile week that you should be happy that I am picking against your football team. should be happy about that. Just a little food for thought. Not the way we want to start our week, but we have a big week coming up. We'll have a uh, Twitter Spaces coming up on Monday after the Jet Charger game. We will... Keep you informed of any developments as far as who the next manager is going to be. It's council a bunch as far as I'm concerned. And that's something we're going to watch over the next few days. Is it Craig Council? Do they go in a different direction? So I have a lot of fun as far as that shakes out. And the worst part about my football team now is I'm going to be licking my wounds for the next two weeks because they do not play for the next two weeks. Misery. Absolute misery. Good job by Stefan. Enjoy your Monday. We'll chat in 24 hours for Jets, Chargers, Twitter Space, Recap. JJ out. Be good, everybody.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 